You're listening to a message from the church at Rutledge. For more information about TCAR, please visit thechurchatrutledge.org. July, I'm going to take a little bit of time just to step back and, and pray and just kind of a sabbatical, but I don't really know what that all entails and even how to do that, but after... 14, going on 15 years, and a little bit longer than that in ministry as a whole, but here at TCAR, 14 years, and uh, it's just kind of like, I just need to just step back and regroup a little bit and, and get a little rest time, and, and so David's been taking care of things for a while, and, and Dad's like worried, all worried about me, and I'm like, Dad, I'm not going anywhere, I'm not doing any, I'm like, I'm fine, I'm just taking a little rest, okay, and just regrouping a little bit, and the deacons, the board, they all know what I'm doing. We're good. And I'm back full swing come August and not a problem. Actually, I'll preach next Sunday. Um, just, I, and, it, and it's like, I, there was some of that is like, just go to church somewhere and go, and it's like, I can't stand not to be here. Like, like I just want to be with you guys. And so I'm really kind of supposed to be taking some time away, but I, I can't get away. I don't know what it is. Um, I just, I just love being here. So even last Sunday, I didn't even get up here and say anything because I'm like, I, I don't, David does, all these guys, they got it. They're doing a great job. And so uh, I know it's been a blessing for you guys to, to hear from David. And um, dad, even my dad acknowledges that and says, yeah, he does a good job. So, But he was worried about me. So I thought, well, if he said something, maybe I need to say, say something to you guys too. So um, I'd like to pray for David myself as he comes on up here and continues on the series. And then next Sunday, um, I'll go ahead and warn you and get you kind of scared a little bit. Um, give Brady time to prepare and make sure his wife's in the service. Um, but I'm going to talk about um, marriage and, in particular, the sex issue. Yes, we can say that in church, and it's okay, even though some of the young years are like, what? You know? Um, so just warning you ahead of time, we have great children's stuff in the back, and that's why we have that, because I'm going to talk about some, some pretty good stuff next Sunday, because it is good stuff. Um, really. God made it, and it's good stuff. Um, so that's how I'm going to set you up this morning, okay, and let you take off with it. But I want to I pray for the service, and then we'll, I know Tyler just did, but... Uh, we got to lean in on God and depend on Him this morning. So, Father, would you just uh, bless this time together that we have? Thank you for everybody that's here. Pray that you would just um, bless each and every person. Um, God, you are good. And that's amazing just to sing that and remind ourselves, be reminded of that and sing that to you, that even though our circumstances may not be, so often we come to this thinking of somehow you're not good. But you are in all things, in all circumstances, even when our circumstances are bad or we're not doing so good, you're good. And so you're always the solution, never the problem. And so we just lean in on you this morning. Um, just give David your words, speak through him. Uh, Father, as your Holy Spirit is present in him, we know that you, by your power, can speak through him. And so may we be open to that and just listen and hear what you have to say to us this morning. And I thank you for this church and uh, for the great impact it's had on our community and around the world. Um, and we pray for those, our, for Hoel and Nain in Honduras this morning as they 
travel around and preach at different churches all weekend and, and take care of people in different towns. Father, would you just bless them as we sponsor them and help them. Father, would you just bless them and their ministry and, and what's going on there. And, and so we thank you. It's amazing to step back and think uh, what you've done and what you can do and what you're going to do, we're just thankful for. So we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. It's great to be with you guys today. Uh, just to kind of give us a, a little bit of a flashback of where we've been thus far. Uh, we've started this series several weeks ago, Designed for Joy. And it means exactly what it says, that we have been designed for joy. And so some of the things we'll talk about in a couple of weeks, we'll get to gender. So what do we think about gender and uh, transgender? And now I mentioned last week there's supposedly like over 50 different classifications that you can now consider yourself in regards to gender, and the good news. And if we are Christians, if we believe the Word of God, and we believe that God has created the universe and that He has designed it, then we can trust what the Scriptures teach us. And it teaches us that as God has created the universe, so He has also designed it. So not just setting afar and just making things happen, but He is right there intimate. Remember the Elohim Yahweh, Elohim Yahweh, over and over in Genesis 1 and 2, that God is present in the midst of this, and God is crafting carefully, which means there is a specific design for our manhood, for womanhood, for gender, for sexuality, for marriage. All these things have been specifically designed by God for His glory and our joy. And, and so many oftentimes we think about the faith and we think about Christianity and we just think about God. We think about Him as just a, you know, an old man with a beard upstairs who just has all these rules and is always just wagging his finger and is angry at us. And He gives us all these commands of, man, you just need to do this. You just need to do this. And we have no recollection or no understanding of why He has given us those things. Thinking He is just a pure taskmaster. A pure taskmaster in heaven who commands us to do things arbitrarily. But read Psalms 119. I'm not going to get to it today, but Psalms 119 is the longest psalm. And over and over and over and over and over, the writer talks about, Oh Lord, I delight in your law. One verse says in verse 36 of 119, Incline my heart to your statutes, to your rules, to your laws, to your testimony, so that I may not live for selfish gain. So the law of the Lord is good, and it is so good for us. It is a well of life, a spring in the midst of the desert for us. So all these different things, God has created them and designed them for His glory and our joy. Since the moment of the fall, when the fruit was eaten, there has been a degeneration of God's good design. There's been a continual decay and corruption and disease spreading over and over toward, towards regular creation outside, the natural, and towards the spiritual. And over, just specifically over the last hundred years, there's been this major rise in feminism. And we're going to kind of talk about that. And I know some people have good definitions, some people have bad definitions of what that word really means. Um, but there's been this rise of um, almost a rage against the nuclear family. A rage against this idea of, man, a family is you've got a mom, you've got a dad, you've got, you know, 2.5 kids, whatever. Um, you know, that, that is what the American family is, or more so not just really the American, but that's just what the family is as God has designed it. 
But there's been this huge uproar, especially in the 60s and 70s, and now even more so, of women's rights. And, and we need to we acknowledge those things are important to a degree uh, when they're used in the proper context. But when it comes to at the cost of someone else. So, for example, abortion. Y'all know about Roe v. Wade, passed in 1973. Since then, there have been more than 59 million abortions. 59 million little men and women created in the image of God to display His glory and to enjoy Him forever have been murdered in the name of women's rights, in the name of women's health. All health of the women except for the little woman inside. And so as we've seen this as a product of the fall, we've seen this degeneration of how do we view womanhood? From a man's perspective, how do I look around and navigate what a godly woman is? If you're single, if you're not married and you think, man, I want to marry a godly woman, how do you find out who that is? Is it somebody with just an Instagram bio that has Proverbs 31.2 on it? Or Jeremiah 29.11, they're drinking coffee with their Jeremiah 29.11 graduation mug in the morning. Or is it something much more? For those who are married, how do you think about with, with your wife? How do you help her? If you don't know what godly womanhood is, how do you help her and encourage her and lead her to do that? To pursue those things? And then as some of you here today are either widowed or you're single, and, and, and you just want to know, what does God want from me? How has He designed me and how has He created me and what does He want me to do just each and every day? And so we're going to get to that. So first, I just want to pray for us as we open the Word of God. And so uh, we'll be in the book of Genesis, um, chapter 1. If you want to begin opening your your Bibles after I pray, um, we will do that. But let me just pray to the Lord. God, I just thank You for this time and I thank You for this Word. God, the written Word of God that You have given us. God, how many miracles you have performed and how many works you have done to supernaturally give us this. God, so many have died so that we could have your word. God, I pray that you would speak to us mightily through it today. Holy Spirit, may you free us from distractions. God, may we forget ourselves, may we forget our problems, and may we just fall in love with the glory of God in the Scripture today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. This is what the Word of God says. Then God said, Let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So back to what we started with last week of how God is speaking to the Trinity here. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are talking to each other. And He's saying, let's make man in our own image with the capability to join this community that we have. With the capability to worship, to acknowledge, and to see and taste the goodness of God's glory. See, because all of creation, the trees and the ocean and the lakes and the forests and Granger County tomatoes, all these different things were good things, right? The Lord said it was good. But they don't have the ability to just stop what they're doing and say, God, you are good. Good. You're good. And I love you and I enjoy you. They can't do those things, can they? Right? Your dog is not going to let you know, hey, isn't God good? 
Now, there are ways, I think, you know, we have a bad day, we come in and our dog just comes and sits right next to us, you know, and just kind of encourages us, you know, bring us in. Maybe we're just like, man, God, you still are good. But he doesn't outwardly just say, hey, you're good. And if you hear your dog talking, um, either you are Dr. Doolittle or you really need to go see a psychiatrist. Um, possibly a biblical counselor. There might be some exorcism that needs to take place. Um, but just, just, just kind of know that for future reference. Um, but God has created us out of this, this view of the Trinity. And, and part of God's image in the Trinity is that God exercises authority, dominion, and communal multiplication, multiplication right? And so He designs man to do the same. He says, let's make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and the livestock and over everything. In the image of God, He created them, male and female, He created them. So, so God created man and women out of this overflow of life, out of this overflow of glory and joy in God. And so we see from that, there's another picture, that when a man and a woman come together, as Marty will talk about next week, in that, in that context of marriage and, and beautiful, godly, good sexuality, it overflows into creating another life, doesn't it? It's reproduction. This is basic biology here. That when a man and woman come together, when everything goes correctly, a life is created, and inside the womb there is life. And so that exemplifies God's glory in the Trinity. It also says that man and woman were designed to have authority and dominion. They were to rule over things. They were to rule over creation and subdue it. When you farm, when you grow peppers and onions out in your backyard, you are subduing creation. You are doing what God has designed you to do. When you work, you are doing what God has created you to do by your nature. God has not created us to do nothing, has He? And we know for those of us who have had seasons of nothingness, seasons where maybe you had a, a medical difficulty, where you were just forced to just sit. You hate it. And I know Randy's here, and I know Randy has hated it. Hated, he couldn't be here last week, and just, man, he just wants to mow his yard, I could just tell. Just mow his own yard, you know. It just, it takes a lot out of you, doesn't it? When it's just, you have to just sit. Because we know there's just a good energy, a good glory and blessing of getting to do things. We also talked about as a part of this, this uh, multiplication, as a part of this authority and dominion, as a part of this, this mandate and design, good and glorious design, remember, that God has given man and women, there is a type of role that a man has and a type of role that a woman has. We call this complementarianism where both male and female, different roles, but they complement one another. Their roles complement one another. They're not at odds against one another. They're not jealous against one another, but they complement each other. This is the same in the Trinity, right? That Christ dies for us and absorbs the wrath of God and the Spirit. So here today, as we think about the Gospel... If you're not a Christian and today's the day that you become a Christian, what's going on here is that the Holy Spirit comes from God and rescues you and opens your eyes. And for the first time, you taste and see that the Lord is good. And you submit to Him. The Holy Spirit's doing that. And He seals you and He sanctifies you. So as we, we've gone through this series, we think, about, man, you know, some of you guys probably saw that, listened to the sermon on man, and about, man, I've just... Sucking it up lately, man. I'm just really struggling here. But there is a Holy Spirit that is with you if you are in Christ. There is a Holy Spirit of God that guides you and that, that leads you along. And even though you fall, 
as Proverbs tells us, the righteous man falls seven times and gets up each time. You continue to get up and wipe the dirt off, off you and move on. It is the Holy Spirit that leads us to this. So what is the role for a woman? How has God designed this? Chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Man became a living creature out of the dust. So first thing I want us to understand is that, that Adam was created out of the dust. The male was created out of the dust, out of the dirt of the earth. And God put him in Eden to work, as, as verse 15 says. In verse 18 of chapter 2, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. So the first thing we see here about the design of the female, of the woman, is that he was cre- she was created for Adam because he needed a helper. It's not that he couldn't just control things. It was more than just getting things done. It was more than that. But it was to exercise this Trinitarian picture, promoting God's glory in the earth and multiplying little God glorifiers. It's that oneness that creates that, a helper fit for Him. Verse 19, Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever he called them, he gave them their names and so forth. And it goes down and it says that, But for Adam there was not a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up his place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into woman and brought her to the man. And this word made, the Hebrew, it literally means to build. So think of your child or your grandchild or your nephew or niece or whatever, and they're, they're sitting down and they've got blocks or they've got Legos, and they just spend time and time and time, and it's hours. And sure enough, you come by in a couple weeks, and finally they're done, and they've just built something just ridiculous, you know. They've just thrown the instructions out the window, and they just built something like, what is that? And I know that because that's what I did too, because, I mean, who wants to follow the instructions? Uh, but but they, they've taken time to carefully craft what they wanted. And it may look ridiculous, but they have a purpose for each little part, don't they? They have a purpose for each little, you know, spinny thing and each little wheel and little head that's on top of a block and each people, you know, all these, they have a purpose for it. And so God, rather than take the dust up from the ground again, takes part of Adam and He carefully crafts and molds her. He molds her for Him. Women were made for, for men. And don't, don't, t- don't say that, don't think about that in the wrong sense of that, that women are supposed to be, live in subjection to males and all, and all those, those things. But it's just in the goodness and creation of, of God's design before the fall, before sin, Eve was the greatest gift that Adam had received. Outside of God's presence with him, All the time, Eve was the greatest gift that he had received. Ephesians 5, verse 22, and and this is where things usually get controversial. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, those last four words I really want to spend time on in a second. But it says, Submit to your husbands. God's design was for the male to lead. That's what we talked about last week, right? That it was God's design for men to lead emotionally, spiritually, 
provincially, to provide for his home, to provide for his wife, to nurture her. And a product of his failure of leadership, this failure of God-ordained husbandhood, of manhood, resulted in the fall. Because Eve wasn't there when he gave the command, when God gave the command not to touch that tree. It was Adam who delegated that command to her, who told her the word of the Lord, who led her in a spiritual way. But his failure led to the fall. We know that men and women are different, don't we? We talked about that last week. That was just a a huge radical statement, I know. But let's just think about an obvious one. What about giving birth? Okay, this is basic biology again. Males don't give birth. Okay, and I know there's all these articles every, every now and then that come out, and it's like, this first man to give birth. Okay, no. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks when we get to gender and gender dysphoria and all that different stuff, and how do we think about that with a gospel perspective. But a female gives birth, a male does not. Okay, they're different. All right, they are very different individuals, different creatures created by God, and so they do different things. So it shouldn't surprise us that in our walks and in our daily lives and the way that we have been constructed as people, that a male and a female will be different, that they will have different roles. But see, our culture does not want different roles because our culture, they look at differences as inequality. They look at, man, if the male does this, but I'm not supposed to do that? Are you saying I'm not supposed to? I I can't do that? Well, let me show you. You know, and it becomes this pride thing. It becomes this, you know, I'll just, you know, I'll just beat them all. And I'll show them what I can. I'll show them what I can do. But see, it's not that. It's that complementarianism. Both created in the image of God to love and to enjoy Him and to complement one another. Genesis two fifteen, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Down to two nineteen. Now the ground of the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. So we see here, these are two things that are going on that Adam is doing, that the male is doing. Eve is not here yet. These are things that he is doing. We, we know that after this, because it says it in chapter 1, that in verse 28 of chapter 1, and God blessed them, And God said to them, both of them, so he's talking to both of them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, every living thing on the earth. And God God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and every beast of the earth and so on and so on and so on and so on. And God saw everything that he had made and it was very good. So all throughout creation, everything was good. But now God says, man, that's really good. Really good. See, they, they enjoyed that back there. Um, but but we, we, what I want us to see from there is that there's this togetherness of doing life together. And there's also a difference of roles. And we, we see this like in a movie. You know, you watch Cinderella, right? Or you watch your, you know, a lot of teenagers, they like The Notebook. Or all this Nicholas Spark stuff, you know. You just, girls, you have this dream of, man, you just want your Prince Charming and to just, to dance with you, to just lead you in dance and, you know, all this different stuff. Uh, and part of the reason that you aspire for that and that you long for that is because God has created you to follow the lead of the male, right? The male leads in dance. He leads. And just as the man leads in a dance, so he has been called to lead in the home. This is a direct picture 
towards Jesus and his church, is it not? That we, the body, who are considered the bride of Christ, we follow and we submit to God. We submit to our King, our Christ, and the true and better husband, Jesus. Right? And you know how we can submit to Him? Because we know He's good. You cannot submit to God if you don't think He's good. You can't. If you don't think that your husband, or your teacher, or your coach who's a male, or whoever it is, if you don't think that they have good intentions for you, you cannot submit to them. Can you? Truly submit to them. First Peter chapter 3, I want to turn there just very quickly. This is what it says. Likewise, wives, be subject to your husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Some of you here today, some of you women here, love the Lord, but your husbands do not. God looks to you and He says, be subject to your husbands, so that even if they don't obey the word, even if they don't love God, even if they don't pursue Him, they may be won without a word by the conduct of your life. When they see your respectful and pure conduct. When they see you pursuing Jesus. When they see that even in the midst of you not being led, how, how God has created you to be led, and your husband is not leading you, how he's been created to lead you, Maybe this is, you've had a divorce. Maybe it's, your husband just walked away totally. You are called to live in respect and pure conduct, pursuing Jesus, even in the midst of it. So that others may be one without even a word. Do not let your adorning be external. The braiding of hair, putting on of gold jewelry, the clothing you wear... But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. You see, that, that, that's something I know, that's, we're talking about wives here, but that's a universal truth about the glory and beauty of quietness. And I struggle with that at times, because I tend to have a big mouth. You know, not to surprise anybody here. Um, and so that can be hard. And in, when we live in a world in a culture where just being offended about everything is celebrated, it's hard to come back to God's original design that your adorning would be the imper imperishable, eternal. It can't rust. And very precious, quiet spirit that honors the Lord. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. And so many ago, we talked about Ephesians chapter 5.22, which said, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Why has God called the wife to submit to the husband? Because God is telling the world and He's telling us something about Himself that's very important. He is pointing us to the gospel directly in that relationship because it says, as to the Lord, because as we all are here, are called to submit to the Lord because His design is for our joy and for His glory, so we are called to do the same in marriage. 
It is a mutual follow of God's design for manhood and womanhood that we just read. For the wife to submit to the husband. And elsewhere in Scripture talks about the husband submitting to the wife. We're, uh, men are to honor their wives. And we saw here in, in, last week in, in verse 23, when, when Adam sang the first song. And it was about her, it was about Eve, it was about his wife. Genesis chapter 2, 23 through 24. The man said, this at last is bone of my bones. Because all the other creation, man, it was just great and it was awesome. Lord, thank you for it. We glorify you for it. But God, I look at this woman who you have made for me, a helper fit for me, and man, she's really good. This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore. So anytime you see the word therefore in Scripture, you, wonder, you need to know why it's therefore. And it is, it's, it's coming here because of the verse we just read. So since... At last, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she's taken out of man. And since there's this glorious praise and song and rejoicing over woman, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Mario will get to more about this next week and about the glory of God's gospel picture within marriage and within the one flesh and sexuality that takes place within a good, glorious marriage. We, what we see here is God's design for His glory and for our joy. And we, and we see the, 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 the profound worth of God's female that He has created. Ladies, you are, are, are valuable. I know you, there's so many ways you don't feel valuable, there's so many ways where you're plagued by insecurity, by fear. You're plagued by cliques and gossip, by mean girls, that whole culture, by social media. But God says, you are valuable here. And Adam followed God's design perfectly here by praising and as you see, Eve follows her good design too by submitting, by loving and encouraging her husband. But things change after a failure of his leadership and after sin enters our world. So men have been designed to exemplify the profound worth of women. We talked about that last week. And, and you women are ex designed to ex exemplify your profound worth in, in the way that you live. In the way that you talk, the things you do, the things you don't do, whether you're married with children or single or widowed, whatever, you have been designed to exemplify your profound worth by following God's good and glorious design for you. We neglect this in so many ways. We neglect this in immodest dressing. We neglect this in the, those things I talked about a minute ago with the mean girl culture and, and gossip and cliques. Let me just tell you something very, very, very quickly. If you want to exemplify what a godly woman is, make war on gossip. Make war on it. 
I've got a bracelet here, and, I, and I've talked about it before. It's an old John Owen quote back in the 1600s. He said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Be killing gossip. Be c- killing the sins of insecurity. Because those aren't just struggles. But they are looking towards something else to find your worth and value other than God. You're, you're, in an essence, when we, we are insecure and when we're anxious and we worry and all, we're saying, God, you're not good enough. But I need this. Uh, there's a story that my brother, he tells a lot in some of his sermons about a, a young youth group girl and um, she was just really depressed and her parents were just really worried about her. And so they went and had her meet with the pastor and things and they just talked and they talked about, you know, her faith and her walk with God. She's like, well, you know, I know, I know I'm a Christian and stuff. Like, I know that God loves me. I really, just want, I really just want somebody to notice me at school. I really just want this boy to like me. You see, her problem was her God was a boy. Her God was, was something maybe that, that, that it, we, it is good. God's good design for affection and for, for uh, that, this relationship, for marriage, for a good thing. But it becomes a bad thing when it becomes an ultimate thing. When it becomes something where we cannot rejoice. We can't be sorrowful yet always rejoicing unless we have that. And it's an idol. And you will crumble beneath of it if you carry it. We do this also. Women, you do this also when you look to your husband or you look to your boyfriend or you look towards some future expectation or hope of somebody who's going to come sweep you off your feet or a future view of your husband. Man, I'm just working on him right now. But he's going to get there. Those things, when you look to those things to fulfill your needs, your desires, and your hopes, you neglect to exemplify your profound worth. Because if you truly understand what God says about you, not because of you, because we know, man, we're just jacked up. We're sinful, we're messed up, we're dead in our sins. None of us were seeking God. Psalms 14. But God rescued us. God demonstrates His own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so now we can say, all of us together, male and female, that in Christ we are rejoiced over. We are sung over. We are pursued. And we are all swept off our feet because we are the bride of Jesus. And, and, you know, and I want to just mention this because there's been probably a lot to this and I've, I've tried to make things as universal for us as a body as possible for some of you who are not married. And I mean, I'm not married and um, there's a lot of people not married or widowed or, or, you know, all these different life circumstances. And I want you to understand that though maybe some things are out of whack in your life, that, though maybe you don't have all these things of how God designed it before sin, that things have happened. Man, there's been death. You know, there's been divorce. Very unfortunate things. God still calls you. He still calls you to pursue Him, to love Him, to serve Him, to serve His bride, and to exemplify what it looks like to be a godly woman. We, have, we need to just go ahead and fix this now that, that we might have this view in our head that Somehow, true manhood, true womanhood is to be married with kids. Because that's not what it is. Married with children is not synonymous with godly manhood and womanhood. 
Titus chapter 2, verse 3 through 5. This is what Paul writes, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slave to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. So he's not even specifically talking to wives or grandmothers or whatever. He's saying, older women, be reverent in your behavior. Do you demonstrate a lifestyle of respect? Do you demonstrate a lifestyle of of not slandering people? Of gossiping about people? Or slaves to much wine? Do you teach what is good? Are you training young women in this church, in your family, your neighbors? Are you training young women to love their husbands and children? I don't think you have to be married or have to have been married to teach people how to love their husbands and children. Jesus wasn't married and Jesus didn't have kids. But yet, all these things we've talked about today, this whole book He wrote. And He's teaching us, isn't He? Are you doing these things? Are you teaching them? Are you pouring into them? Are you sharing with them God's good and glorious design for them? Because God is faithful. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And if we know that and believe that, then we should pour that in to others. So why, in the first place, why does manhood and womanhood matter? Isn't it just a gender thing? Isn't it just being a male and being a female? And then you can kind of just be your own person. You know, we all have our own personalities and... You know, so many times we just, we act like we're not, you know, we act like certain things in our life aren't sinful just because it's just how we are all the time. Well, I just, you know, I just have an anger problem. That's just me. It's no big deal. You know, that's not good. Or, you know, I just, I can't help it. You know, or the old Southern talk of we'll say something really bad about somebody, I'll bust their heart. You know. That, that, like, that just fixed it, you know. Man, you know, I really just don't think he should be over there anymore. Bless his heart. Now it's okay. Like, where do we even get that? But manhood and womanhood are specific God-given designs for our nature. Because we know that our gender and our identity are almost intrinsic. Part, so much of our identity is attached to who we are as a male or a female. And if we are in Christ, then what God says a man is and what God says a woman is, is more glorious, it's more rewarding, it's more joyful, and more freeing than what the world can tell you what it means to be a real woman. You know, Shania Twain, she has her own song, doesn't she? What it feels like to be a woman. You know, she just wanted to go down, wanted to party, and, you know, she just wanted to dance. She didn't want romance, just wanted to dance. Just do what she wanted to with her girlfriends. But God has given us a much better design. C.S. Lewis, as you guys know, one of my heroes, he said this, Now the whole offer which Christianity makes is this, that we can, if we let God have His way, come to share in the life of Christ. If we do, we shall then be sharing a life which was begotten, not made, which always existed and always will exist. Christ is the Son of God. 
If we share in this kind of life, we also shall be sons of God. We shall love the Father as He does, and the Holy Ghost will arise in us. He came to this world and became a man in order to spread to other other men the kind of life He has. What kind of life was that? Eternal, God-glorifying enjoyment of God. We shall love the Father as He does. Became a man in order to spread to other men the kind of life he has by what I call good infection. He calls this a good infection. We know infections are bad of diseases and different things in our body. But C.S. Lewis calls this is a good infection when that Holy Spirit comes and moves within us to join in this union with Christ and now we can fulfill how He has created us to be. Every Christian is to become a little Christ. The whole purpose of becoming a Christian is simply nothing else. Manhood and womanhood matter to make us like Christ. And it matters to show the world who Jesus is. They're not just synonyms of being married with children. As we talked about earlier, we talked about Jesus who was single. So if you're single here, and so far this series has just been discouraging for you, take hope and have joy and rejoice Knowing that your God, your Christ, your Jesus, the true and better husband that you long for, He's here. And He's been where you've been. And He calls you to come deeper into an intimacy with Him. I think about my grandmother. She is 99 years old. Her grandfather fought in the Civil War and she spoke to him. So this is a second... You know, source, secondary source to a Civil War veteran. She's twice widowed. My grandfather passed away in 82, and then she remarried uh, someone else who died in uh, 2004, I believe. She never had any children. My dad's mom died when he was 11 years old. And shortly after that, uh, his dad remarried and married her. Her name is Mary Bible, and we call her Mimi. And uh, she raised my dad. You know, she didn't have any children of her own. She was older when she got married. She was in her 30s when she got married. Um, And if there's anybody that I can think of that exemplifies what it looks like to be a godly woman, it's her. Twice widowed, no children, lives by herself. But she exemplifies what it looks like to be a godly woman because of the way that she seeks Jesus. She can't see that well, she, so she can't really read her, her Bible. She's got an audio Bible she'll listen to on a CD player. Um, but she demonstrates a quiet faithfulness that is just so invigorating to be around. A quiet and gentle spirit. And there's so many often times that she'll just stop and say, you know, I just can't believe how good God has been to me. Why do you think God has been so good to me? She'll say things like that. And so I want you women to understand God has created you for a glorious purpose and a glorious design in marriage, in relationship. Not just, but not just in those things. Not just in your marital status or whether you have kids or not. But He's designed you specifically to glorify Him and to enjoy Him forever. And maybe you're here today and you've been discouraged by 
No, nobody's singing over me. No man is singing over me, rejoicing over me in the midst of my just crud, in the midst of my junk. Maybe you're a male here today. I mean, we all have that same desire, don't we? To be rejoiced over. For somebody to be proud of us. For somebody to pour into us and to somebody to just, when they look at us, man, they just have a smile ear to ear. We want that. It's within the heart of man and women that we would be fully known and fully loved. And only in the gospel do we get that. So I want to close this with this verse as the band comes up um, and we worship some more. Zephaniah 3.17 The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you in gladness. He will exalt you. He will rejoice over you with gladness and He will quiet you by His love. He will exult over you with loud singing. So if you're here today and nobody's singing over you, and so you feel discouraged and you feel like, man, maybe I just need to, to follow the ways of the world and I need to just be, be who the, the world tells me to be. Of what they say about a real woman is. God sings over you if you are in Christ. And if you are not, the offer is always there. The community group here of the Trinity is open. The relationship with God is open in Christ. Go to Him. So as we pray, I pray that God would work in your hearts and I pray that God will begin to open your eyes and give you ambition to be who God has designed you to be and that you would trust His good design and that you would love Him and enjoy Him forever. This is your chief end. Let's pray. Mighty God, you are good. Good. Yes, you're good. God, I pray that we would be so captivated by the glory of your design, God, that the world would just look ridiculous to us. As the old song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Looking at his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. God, I pray today that the things of earth would go strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace for us. God, I pray that as men we would lead and provide, that we would nurture and we would care, that we would pursue spiritually, that we would engage emotionally, that we would be tough and tender, and honor you. God, I pray for our women, God, that they would pursue you with all that they have. God, that they would exemplify the profound worth that you have given them. And God, regardless of the failures of their husband, or regardless of their lack of one, may they look to you, Jesus, their true and better husband, who has laid himself down for them. God, may you just calm us today and may we rejoice that you rejoice over us because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Think about where your heart is. Is the, is the love of God enough for you?
to follow him and to live out his design for you. I pray that we would be here.